Hello and welcome to the Knowledge Out College Podcast. Your host, Patrick Butler. And today, I've got a very special guest, Zuby. Thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure, man. Happy to be here. Hey, so for the audience out there, I know you've been doing a million interviews this week, but can you tell them a little bit about your background and where you're coming from? No problem. So my name is Zuby. I'm a professional rapper. I'm also the host of the Real Talk with Zuby podcast. I'm also an author. I wrote and released my first book, which is a fitness book called Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody. That came out a few months ago. And I also do some uh, public speaking and other bits and bobs. I consider myself a creative entrepreneur. So music is the first thing primarily. That's what the world or the people who know me in the world initially know me for. But um, it's expanded a little bit beyond that to other aspects of stuff that I'm interested in and feel like I can offer stuff to people in. So in terms of my background, um, I'm from the UK. I know I don't sound it with the accent, but I grew up in Saudi Arabia. I went to an American school out there for about eight or nine years. And so I've got a little bit of a mixed background, but I think it's given me an interesting perspective on a lot of stuff. That's the beautiful thing about 2019 is you can be involved in all these different things and create sort of a more massive online presence instead of being just a musician or just a podcast or just an author. Yeah, definitely, man. You know, I think we've all got, there aren't many people who are just one thing, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think that with social media and the internet and everything like that, it's given people more room to both express and create businesses or side hustles or whatnot around their various interests. Mm-hmm. So rather than just being that one thing, you know, you might be a doctor, but a doctors also have other interests. You know, some doctors might be into painting, some might be into photography, podcasting, public speaking, whatever it is. And it's like, cool, you know, you can be a doctor slash painter or a mm-hmm. doctor slash YouTuber or whatever, you know, it's like, and I think, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. Absolutely. It's like, you know, it's like being a renaissance person, right? It's like mm-hmm. having a, a variety of skill sets in different areas. And, and what's interesting about now, though, is how you can promote them. You know, I feel like there's probably a lot of doctors that were artists before, but can never sort of intertwine the two or uh, get that information out there the way that you can now. Exactly. I mean, for you, you've been blowing up this year. So <laughs> you, you, you got your finger on the pulse of sort of what works with marketing and, and growing your online brand. Even right now, you've got a Team Zuby shirt on right now. <laughs> I got to ask you, like, wh- what is your philosophy on self-promotion? Wow. Um, firstly, I'm not afraid of it, and I never have been. It's funny. I mean, when I first started doing music back in 2005, 2006, um, I used to get criticized a lot. I still get criticized a lot for self-promotion or for wearing my own merchandise or whatever. Some people think it's a, a little bit gauche, but um, ultimately it's like, well, why would I expect people to like and promote and wear my brand if I myself am afraid to? Mm-hmm. Enough people know who Nike is. Like, If I come in here wearing a Nike t-shirt and a Nike hat, it's like, well, why am I paying for the privilege of promoting a billion dollar company that doesn't care about who I am? Why don't I just wear my own stuff or something from one of my friends or my sponsors or whatever the case may be. So for me, that's always, that's always made sense, but I'm someone who's quite good at, um, ignoring criticism from other other people and only taking advice from people I want to take advice from when it makes sense to me. And that's seems to work pretty well for me. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so, uh, in, in terms of my own philosophy, it's like, yeah, I mean, if I think if you've got something that, um, if you've got something that's good and that's valuable and that has a useful message or service or product or whatever, I actually think it's your duty to promote it. 
right? If you've created something that will help other people, you know, it would be like, imagine if you created some medical cure for something and, you know, it's, it's your job to self-promote that, right? Mm-hmm. The, the world needs you to self-promote that, right? You don't want to have uh, the cure for cancer out there and nobody knows because uh, <laughs> the, person who, the person who made it is afraid of self-promotion. So, you know, obviously most things are not, not that serious, mm-hmm. but I think that what I do has a positive message and people find it inspirational and motivational. So ultimately, I'm not afraid of the idea that I want more people to know who I am and to know what I do. It's not just for some sort of false celebrity of being famous for nothing, which is sort of a thing these days. It's, it's not yeah. that at all. I'm not interested in that. But um, it's more about spreading a message that I think people need to hear and is valuable for them. I love that. I, I totally agree. Like if you have something going on that's really great, it is your duty to spread that yeah. information along, share mm-hmm. it with as many people as possible. And of course, you know, don't take advice from the guy wearing the Nike shirt because probably don't know who he is, right? Well, if you're wearing a Nike shirt because they sponsored you or something, then that's a whole sure. different story. <laughs> that's a whole different story. But like I said, I mean, if you've got your own thing, then, I mean, you're generally going to believe in yourself. If you don't believe in yourself and you don't big yourself up to some degree, you don't need to be, you know, arrogant and abrasive about it mm-hmm. or anything. Um, but if you don't have that confidence, then other people will not buy into your brand or just you as a person. It's like, it's a bit like, you know, if someone goes to a, to a job interview, you don't want to come across as arrogant or too big for your boots or anything like that, but you're there to self promote yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. It would be like, you're writing a CV and, Oh, I don't want to put those achievements down. Cause that might sound to this. It's like, no, yeah. you, you go in there and sell yourself, tell them why I am the person, I'm the man, I'm the woman mm-hmm. for, this job like I'm the best person who's going to do this thing uh, that's self-promotion and most people understand that that's what you want to do you don't want to massively downplay what you're doing or your achievements or what you can offer or whatever so I just view my my approach to it's the same and then also as a totally 100% independent artist who's built my career and everything I do totally by myself no record labels no managers no agents whatever if I don't do it no who will Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, you stop self-promoting. I'm like, all right, so who should promote me? <laughs> like, there's no one else there. Yeah, right? that's I a good point. Yeah, I don't have a, if you've got a company with, you know, hundreds, thousands, whatever people, yeah, you yourself can be a little more low-key. Yeah. You don't need to be doing the promotion yourself, but that's because you're employing a PR company or an mm-hmm. advertising agency or whatever that'll do it on your behalf. But if you don't have that, and most people don't have that. Most independent creators, entrepreneurs or whatever, at least to begin with, don't have that. So it's up to you to spread spread the word and let, let people know. If you don't do it, nobody will. Right? Nobody will, no. So how did that how did that start with you? Because I like I saw one of your tweets this I think it was this morning, like the, at the beginning of this year you had what, like ten, fifteen thousand followers? Mm-hmm. Now you're at hundred and twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've sort of seen some sort of like incremental, uh, you know, uptick in your stats. And then recently it's, you know, totally hockey sticked or whatever. How, how did the, how did that progression go with you? How did you first learn to start doing self-promotion? So, you know, consistently, mm. was that something that was natural to you or is that a skill that you sort of had to develop and work on over time? It's something that's been, uh, gained and honed and developed over, over a decade. Mm-hmm. Like I, I released my very first album in 2006 
And that was the first stage where it was, okay, I have a product, I have something here I've created, which I'm trying to sell to people and I need to promote this thing. So I first started out doing this online, primarily on MySpace back in the day. So this is well before Instagram and Facebook and uh, Snapchat and even Twitter, like well before all of that. So I used to use MySpace and then online I was quickly seeing that I was building some audience and buzz on there, but people weren't really buying stuff. I couldn't work out how to get these online friends, followers, whatever, to buy my CD. So I actually started just going out on the street, traveling out to different city centers and town centers all over the UK and just doing the doing the CD hustle, the mixtape hustle. I'm sure, you know, anyone listening to this, anyone who's been in a big city has certainly been approached at some point in their lives, probably by someone trying to sell a CD to them in various ways. The way some people do it isn't very good in my opinion, but that was really where I kind of earned my stripes, I guess, just going out to all these different cities, whether it was London or Oxford or Bournemouth, all these different cities in the UK. I've been to pretty much all of them. And uh, I sold over the course of several years, I sold over 25,000 albums on the streets of the UK. And in order to do that, I've spoken to well over a quarter of a million people. Um, you can imagine to sell 25,000 CDs, how many knows, how many knows you get and how many people ignore you. So if people want to know how I deal with criticism, it's because look, I've dealt with this for the last 10 years directly to my face. So what someone, if someone says something mean on YouTube or on Twitter, I'm like, this is water off a duck's back. It doesn't matter the scale of it. I just laugh at it because it's like, I've been, you, you guys don't know. I've been through this, man. I've been through this cycle. You know, I've put myself literally out there mm-hmm. and I've gotten the praise, I've gotten the criticism, I've gotten the feedback, the pushback, all of that thousands and thousands and thousands of times. So all of that has helped me to, you know, hone my, my own confidence, my own ability in selling myself, my understanding of what works and what doesn't, how to develop a thick skin and not take stuff too personally. If someone, you know, criticizes my art or my music or something about me or whatever it is, And it's also both offline and online. It's helped me to understand what people like about me. So over time, that's really become more honed and defined. And in the past sort of 18 months, it's becoming even sharper. And it's gotten to a stage where it's kind of gotten sharp enough to penetrate the wider consciousness of people on a much bigger scale, which is why I've you know, I've had certain things, you know, obviously I had that deadlift video, which went viral, but beyond that, I've had a lot of tweets, a lot of content go viral, which is just me voicing my opinion on certain things. You know, a lot of people say like, yeah, you've just got this ability to articulate things that other people are sensing or feeling or observing in a way that most people can't really word it, which is kind of part of being an artist as a rapper. That's what I also try to do. And when I get back into writing a lot of music, I'm going to bring a lot more of that into my music um so yeah it's been really much it's been very much a a journey i try to just constantly be learning getting better honing stuff honing stuff down to the Mm -hmm. stage where i think at this stage it's like okay i think people kind of know what the zuby brand and the zuby message is people know what i stand for people kind of know what my principles are i've had a lot of pushback on some of that or whatever but it's like look this is a lot of pe- a message I get a lot online is like, I don't agree with everything you say, but I love the fact you say it. 
Yeah. And I massively respect your authenticity and the fact that you don't back down at the first criticism or, or pushback or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's just with me, you know, a key part of my brand I would say is, is just being authentic, authenticity and integrity and just being like, look, this is me. This is who I am. This is what I stand for. People always say, keep it real, but almost nobody keeps it real. Yeah. Right. It's it's like a cliche to say, Oh, just, just keep it real. Be yourself. But most people don't really do that. Yeah. Most people really don't really do that. Like they might to a little degree, but with me, I'm just like, look, this is who I am. It's what I believe. You, you, can, you can take it or leave it. I'm not going to bend to what's popular or to certain trends or to society or whatever. That, that's in my music. That's in my beliefs, whatever. It's like, you know, I could be in a room with 100 people and 99, 99 of them could disagree with me on something. And I won't. I'll be the person who, you know, most people would just kind of acquiesce and not rock the boat. I'll be like, no, well, I disagree. and i'll and i'll enjoy it you know know, i won't won't do it just be just to be a contrarian but if it's like no this is i think you're i think i think all 99 of you are wrong but i think this and here's why i think it um and i've kind of over time developed the confidence to to voice that a little more and i see that people appreciate it and you know people like it it resonates with people it inspires people it motivates people and that all plays into uh, really what I'm trying to do in the world, which is inspire and help and motivate in whatever way that I can. Mm-hmm. I find it absolutely amazing how much the uh, attitude of people these days is that everything that someone says should be in line with their beliefs. You know, you see it all over Twitter. Like mm-hmm. if you're saying something, maybe they mostly agree with you, but then on there's some things that they don't agree with you on, but they still follow you because mm-hmm. they're willing to listen to those opinions. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to see sort of how that climate has shifted over the past few years where some people are incredibly, I don't know, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. They have thin skin. They're not willing to listen to other critiques. Uh, and even the presence of someone with just thick skin and firm beliefs <laughs> tends to throw them off. Mm. Uh, I, I'm curious, sir, what do you think could fix that in people? Well, I mean, for you personally, you went out there and you talked to a lot of people. Uh, you talked to thousands and thousands of people to sell your CDs, mm. develop thick skin. That to me is something I completely resonate with doing sales. I did door to door sales okay, for many yeah. years. So like, you know, you get doors slammed in your face yeah, yeah. all day long. Yeah. It's humbling. Yeah. It, it's humbling. It puts your <laughs> mindset right. And I've, I've, thought about that uh a lot because it's like how do you get more people to just get door slammed in their face Mm. how do you how do you get more people to have that kind of attitude adjustment um have you ever considered any solutions there um there there's there are a lot of them i mean there are things that people can do individually Mm -hmm. which generally involves going out there and doing something hard doing something that you're going to struggle with something that's difficult um in the words of Jordan Peterson, you know, carry, find the heaviest load you can carry and carry it. Yes. You know, um, it's part of why I like going to the gym and working out mm-hmm. because that's, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll kick your butt and it humbles you and it shows you that hard work plus a plan plus consistency will give you results, right? It, there's no one else to blame. One thing I love about the gym is like, there's no one else to blame. Yep. It's, it's on you in other sports. If you're playing, you're playing uh, football, you're playing uh, baseball, basketball, whatever, you know, you've got a whole team there. You've got a mm-hmm. lot of things you, you could do everything yourself, right. And you could still lose and lose multiple games in a row. 
in the gym, if you're doing if you're doing stuff right and your diet is on point and your training is on point, it, w- it will work. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, yeah. it will work. You will you will get results. It's totally objective. Um, either you can lift the weight or you can't. Either you can do the thing or you can't. Or and and you can get better at it. And you can look back after three months, six months, two years, five years, ten years, and you can see, oh wow, that weight which I was struggling to lift ten years ago. I can now lift it 10 times. Yeah. Right. And I did that. Mm-hmm. No one can take that from me. I did that. Right. You cannot, I can't lift the weight for you. I can't, I can't feed, <laughs> I can't feed someone else and control yeah, yeah. their diet or anything. Like it's totally, it's totally on you. So I think that's um, something like that. So something like the gym or anything, anything else that's difficult, it could be learning a new language, learning a new skill, doing anything that's going to just suck and be difficult and be hard to begin with. And, but just just keep at it and keep going any kind of strife or adversity i mean i think for people who have been through a lot of real strife or adversity i'm I'm very blessed in the sense that in a lot of ways i i haven't been through that but what i've done is i've kind of created my own stress and adversities by certain choices i've made even to be a full-time musician right there are a lot of paths that i could have taken in life that would have been a lot a lot less exciting and mm-hmm. a lot less interesting, um, but a lot safer and more secure and more normal. But I don't think I would have developed myself in the way that I have because I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been forced to. I could have yeah, just kind of totally. stayed in that comfort. Is, is that is that that's saying what did they say? Um, there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but that, that's very true. Cause if, if you never go outside of your circle of what you already know you can do and you're, you're capable of, and it's going to be relatively easy and comfortable. If you never get out of that, you're not going to develop anything new because learning any new skill, gaining any new ability, improving on anything. It's, it's a rough, it's a rough process. You know, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. You're going to make a lot of mistakes. You're going to feel silly sometimes. People might laugh at you. People might criticize you or whatever, but it's like, yeah, that'll happen. But, you know, get on with it. Get over it. Just keep going. You'll see it. You'll see it's not that bad. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I, I think you make a really great point there. It's sort of like going to the gym. It's creating artificial resistance or mm-hmm. uh, creating your own resistance as opposed to just letting the world work on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that may, that's a it's a great point, taking on the biggest yeah. load that you can handle. Yeah. And I mean, if you think historically, I imagine our ancestors, right, you, they would have just done that as part of trying to survive. Yeah, it's, that yeah. was real resistance from yeah. nature, which yeah. now in our super comfortable world, uh, I feel like the real resistance takes 80 years of like obesity and like heart disease to sort of play itself out. Where you're yeah. like, if, I, if only you spent that, all those years in the gym working yourself, uh, instead of just letting time sort of take its toll on you, it'd probably yeah. be, it's probably a pretty similar burden either way. Yeah, no, you, 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 it, you need some adversity. I mean, if you go to places where People are still genuinely struggling, mm-hmm. right? Other other countries in the world or certain places where, you know, people are just genuinely struggling to have their basic needs met or to survive or whatever. The attitude is really different. It's almost like in the modern Western world, we're living in a time where I believe that it's entirely possible that over comfort is a bigger problem in modern Western society than the, than lack of comfort, right? Like having too much. If you look at the problems, I mean, obesity is a bigger problem than malnutrition or starvation by, by, by a long way. It's it's too much. It's excess. It's excess, right? 
you're looking at people struggling with, um, you know, some aspects of, of mental health or depression or anxiety. Some of that is brought on by excess. It's not brought on by lack. It, it can be brought on by lack, but in its current incarnation, it seems to be more like, oh, wow, people have so much comfort and so like that they've lost certain aspects of meaning and purpose and whatever, right? If, you, if you're striving to just survive, you don't need to sit down and think, oh, what's my purpose? It's like your purpose is to survive the winter. Yeah, absolutely. Go harvest those crops and yeah. go plant those seeds and go, you know, hunt those animals and yeah. do what you need to do to take care of yourself and now your family. you walk in the grocery store and there's, yeah. you know, <laughs> your a hundred years worth of, uh, <laughs> yeah. worth of your, your hard work is yeah. sitting there up on the shelf. You buy it for 20 bucks, buy yeah, all the yeah. food you need and... Uh, yeah, all the all the purpose, all the resistance is completely taken. Yeah, the re, the, re, the resistance is gone. So the resistance can be, it can be created, mm-hmm. and uh, like we said, the gym is a great example of that because you're literally kind of pretending to do what your ancestors would have done, yeah. just as part of surviving. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's what sports is. Absolutely. Most most sports are basically, it's like a modern incarnation of hunting, essentially, yeah, right? Sure. Aiming aiming a projectile at a target, mm-hmm. whether it's with your feet or with your hands. That's pre- what pretty much every sport is, right? Aiming a projectile at a target. Um, they're all kind of the same, just slightly different methods. And if you think the people who are great athletes now, I imagine in the past would have been the great hunters, mm-hmm. right? They'd be the people who can throw the, shoot the arrow very well or throw the spear very accurately or run very fast, jump very high, you know? Totally. Um, and so it's interesting that it's like, a lot of those more primitive sort of instincts they had, they haven't really changed so much. And I think when people totally lose touch with them, as happens when people are very sedentary or eating a diet that's totally, you know, has not nothing, you know, just totally unnatural. Yes, and it, totally it, it, artificial. Yeah, totally artificial. Then, Plastic. yeah, you know, you see certain things like that and it's like, well, that's that's a good way to make somebody quite depressed because you you've taken them so far out of their element really of kind of how people are meant to be living totally that there's you know they, I, don't, I don't know all the psychological or physiological mechanisms that, that lead to it but it's like it kind of throws stuff out of whack i mean i think it's all of the you know psychological mechanisms right like we have a million years of evolution to get up until this point where we had to like hunt and gather and survive mm-hmm. for these very simple sort of criteria yeah and now all that's completely removed so mm-hmm. it's really like a totally unique situation that humans are in today with these million year old bodies with this you know brand new modern set of problems where mm-hmm. we have we don't have to cover any of those major areas anymore yeah or at least in like an obvious way you yeah know. you 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 do you do but you know there's always a, a i don't want to you got to pay rent instead yeah of yeah ex- shelter. yeah exactly yeah yeah there, there's still things to be met but the scale and the severity is a lot. I think the method dampened and the method. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Men are probably better off (laughs) gathering supplies in the, in the woods to build a shelter than to have to work at some desk job to Mm. pay the bills to, you know, make the rent happen. Yeah. yeah. It's sort of like a, a different route to the same objective. It is. That, that leads me, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. You know, like the UBI and universal basic income is Mm. a huge talking point right now with Andrew Yang and, uh, you know, the whole democratic primaries going and I've heard so many arguments for and against it. Okay. And in general, I think it's like, it could be a solution, Mm -hmm. but my concern is what we're talking about here, which is like, do you give it to people? Mm -hmm. 
it's even it's it's gonna you know I bet you could watch if you implemented UBI the rate of like depression and anxiety will go through the roof. That's what I think. Yeah, I I, I think the same. Um, I haven't looked into it in as much detail as I should. My gut reaction to it and my response from the research I do know and just what I know about economics and human beings Mm -hmm. is leans very skeptical. It leans very skeptical for a few reasons. Firstly, like you said, um, if the problem isn't necessarily financial, then I'm not convinced that just giving people money is going to make things better and I think there's a danger of making certain things worse I also just from an economic perspective I don't really get it like Mm -hmm. I don't firstly I think that you could just (laughs) as someone who leans more libertarian I'm kind of like well you could just tax people less to begin with (laughs) because that thousand dollars that your inverted commas giving them is probably already their money that you just took from them so you could just I know the idea is that obviously it's universal, so it goes to everyone, so it's got a kind of redistribution aspect to it. Um, So there's that. And then also, again, from an economic perspective, I think, maybe I'm missing something huge here, but wouldn't the prices of everything just go up? That's exactly my thought, is maybe in the first year, it's it's amazing. It's like the best thing that ever happened. Yeah, guarantee within like five years the cost of your rent will have gone up. Yeah, that's that's bucks. that's that's the thing that to me that's one of the most obvious things where maybe this is addressed somehow. Yeah, but just knowing the basic supply and demand yeah. of economics, it's like well, if you just give everybody an extra thousand dollars a month, then yeah, won't every the price of everything rent, food, um, housing gas everything won't, won't won't all those prices just go up to it's it's the same with um things like uh certain minimum wage arguments and stuff it's kind of mm-hmm. like well won't everything just not immediately but once the free market yeah once it gets 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 working and adjusts everything will just scale up a little bit like how if you go to a, a poorer country where people earn less money everything generally is cheaper yeah, and then if you go to uh, you know, even here in, in Los Angeles, right? You compare Los Angeles to even another American city, which is not as wealthy. The prices here might be double, triple, oh, quadru- quadruple on certain things. All right, or you go to London or Tokyo or Oslo, or you know, I was in Iceland, and I mean, in Iceland, the, the prices of everything where it's like, okay, you you can look on the things like, okay, cool, people earn more money. It might be like people earn 50% more or even a hundred percent more than some other place, but everything costs double. (laughs) So, you know, like a bottle of, a bottle of water might be $4 or like a packet of six eggs. I remember I wanted to buy some packet of chicken breasts was like $20 or, you know, just everything was just so expensive. So it's like, okay, if, how does that, you know, everything, everything just kind of scales. So yeah, that, yeah. yeah so, th- so that, that's my thought with UBI. So I guess those are my three main, maybe one, maybe some of them are, are addressed if, if I go and I look into it in massive mm-hmm. amounts of detail, 
but those are my three biggest concerns. So yeah, the prices of everything just going up and then the fact that it's not really, if you're ta taxes taking people's money to begin with, so you're not really giving people money, you're just kind of, you could just let them keep, you could just reduce taxes and let them keep what they're keeping. Um, or, and then, yeah, the, the fact you mentioned just about if we've already got this issue where some of the problems are due to, you know, are not necessarily financially driven. Um, and some of them are issues to do with excess. Certainly there are problems of want. There are both problems of want and there are problems of, of excess. And yes. strangely, they can kind of exist together mm -hmm. at the same time and Absolutely. in the same place, in the same person, <laughs> um, which sounds odd, but it kind of makes sense. Then, um, yeah, I don't really know if that'll just exacerbate things. Um, I don't know. I think, it's, I think it's like an interesting idea. I think if we reach a stage where it could also be the idea that I might also just think that it's too, a little bit too early. Mm -hmm. I think it might be an interesting idea for the future. I don't know how I've heard a lot of different estimations on when automation and AI and whatnot will start to really at scale replace a lot of people's jobs and work and whatever. Um, and I think that you know, we, we, we may well reach a stage in the next couple of decades where, okay, the, the system, the sort of economic system just fundamentally really needs to be changed, mm -hmm. at which point something like UBI totally makes sense. So I think it's a good idea to be, to be floated out there. Um, I guess, yeah, my, my current feeling is that I think it's a little bit early maybe. Yeah. It's, I, a, bit, it's a bit early. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to be, you know, in five years, we're we're living under robot rule and robots are doing AI is doing I, I all agree. the things. Yeah, I think yeah. the sort of the automation apocalypse is a little overblown. Like it's it's not really it's not gonna hit us that hard that mm. fast. Um I mean I guess we don't really know. Mm. Is this something that they talk about at all in the UK? Is this a part of like the political discussion there? No. Not at all. No. It's just purely American, give me a thousand bucks a month. Yeah, I've never heard anyone in the UK seriously talk about it or float these ideas. I think what they need to do is tie it to some sort of uh, physical thing. You either got to go like <laughs> camping once <laughs> one weekend a month or you have to like go to the gym every day. You mm. need some sort of, it's like an artificial, like you need some sort of hamster wheel there to, 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 to earn that earn thousand it. bucks to or else it, that yeah. mental health issue will be severe. Yeah. The thing is as well, I mean, I think if the automation thing happens again, I think there will be much bigger, deeper societal issues totally. that will come into play than uh, people having a thousand dollars or not, I think. Because even people who don't like their work or don't love their work, it's important to understand that it does give people a sense of purpose, Absolutely. especially men, especially men, right? If you take away a man's job and his feeling that he's adding value and contributing to and sustaining himself, his family, his, his wife, his children, whoever may, may depend on him, then it's very, it's very emasculating. And it leads to, I mean, if you look at the rates of, so it's, I, can't, I don't know the numbers, but if a man, the difference between job loss between men and women is very, very different. Like if, a, if a woman loses her job versus if a man loses his job, it, the man takes it way harder, f several times higher risk of, of suicide and depression and all that because men 
you know, for better or, or worse, some of it biological, some of it societal, you know, we value our work and our contribution is what gives us that sense of self-esteem and, and masculinity and being a man. You want to look, I, I'm doing something yeah. and by doing this thing, I'm gaining this reward and then I'm able to help myself, my family, my dependents, whatever the case may be. So if we reach a stage in society where thousands, millions of men's jobs are just totally being replaced and people are being put out of work by AI and robots and whatever the case may be, I think there are going to be much bigger, deeper societal issues that, that, that are occurring there beyond just the money. Like even if you yeah, saw thousand dollars a month would not fix that problem. Even if you solve the money thing, cause I think, cause I mean, men don't want to just live. They no, want, they no. want to, they want to survive on their own. No, I don't, I don't, I don't want free money. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like most, most, a lot of guys, maybe some people do, but a lot of, a lot of people, not just men, a lot of people don't really, I think if, if they really think about it, you don't want free money. You want to be compensated for what you've done and contributed yes. and whatnot, right? If, if you earned the same salary, if anyone earned this, you know, you've, someone's got a job, someone works, someone has a business or whatever, you may sometimes not want to do that work because it's doing work. But on a deeper level, your brain and your body kind of is, I think, is registering that what you're doing, it's like cause and effect. Yes. Right. I do, I do, I do this thing and I get this result. Here's a great example. Again, let's use another gym analogy. Let's do it. Right. One of the things that's important, very important about the gym is it's, it's the process, right? Mm -hmm. It's the people want to focus on results. It's like, no, it's the, it's the process. Okay. If you could just snap your fingers and your body looks a certain way. You can lift it, but you didn't do any work to get there. You won't, you deep down won't appreciate it. Yeah. It's like winning the lottery. Yeah. Great example. Great example. Was it 80% of people that win the lottery lose all or most of the money within five years or something? Yeah. Great, great example. And and you never learned the process. You never learned how you made it. Like you didn't learn anything. Someone just gave it to you. And so one, you value it less. Two, if you lose it, you can't recreate it because you never learned how to make mm-hmm. it in the first place. Um, and it's just like, yeah, so I'm, yeah, I don't know. I, it's like, I, how do you get people to want to learn, want to Because <laughs> like, if you take a guy like Elon Musk, you yeah. can take all of his money, all of his businesses away. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow, he's going to be successful. <laughs> he's going to raise a million dollars in 24 hours, no yeah. questions asked. Like, yeah. he's fine. doesn't matter how much money he's got in his bank account. Um, it's like... That, that's a, a problem that I, I contemplate a lot. It's just how do you motivate people to want to embrace those things, embrace those challenges, either physically, mentally, emotionally, to want to grow and develop? Mm. It's, a, it's, a very good, it's a very good question, you know? Um, you, like many things, you probably only can to some degree because ultimately it's down to individuals to help themselves it's really really difficult to help people who don't want to help themselves it's very very difficult to change somebody who doesn't want to change you know if someone is very overweight someone's morbidly obese you can give them all the pep talks motivation nutritional guidance personal training whatever if they don't want to change they they won't they they really won't it has to be okay i'm i've decided you know i'm i'm sick of being overweight 
Yeah. I'm, totally. I, I don't, I don't want to look like this. I don't want to feel like this. I want to feel better. I want to get in shape. As soon as they make that decision, okay, now you can help that person. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if they True. don't, if they don't, then, you know, there's someone who's a drug addict, someone who's an alcoholic, like if they just want to keep drinking and they genuinely, they quit smoking, right? You, someone can't quit smoking until they want to quit smoking. Totally. You, you, you can't get someone to do it. If someone's like, nah, I like smoking. I'm going to keep smoking. There's no, you know, it's like yeah. you, you, you can't, totally. you, you just, you just can't do anything. Um, you, you got to let hit people, you got to let people hit the ground sometimes, you know, sometimes people to have to, point. sometimes people have to be frightened, which is, yeah. which is, the, which is a shame. You know, sometimes it has to be, Oh, they get a scare. They get, have to go to hospital. It's hard to say that because people ha- are like, Oh, you know, but I feel so bad for that person. I don't want to see them hit the ground. Yeah, know? no, I know. I, I don't want to see anybody hit the ground. I yeah. wish that I could, uh, you know, this, this is one of those difficult things in life is ultimately accepting you can do what you can do. You can, you can put your message out there. You can, you can help people. You can broadcast. You can do podcast videos, motivation, whatever it is. But ultimately, you can't control other people. You, you, you really can't. You can, you can do what you can do. You can do your best, but you just can't control other people. And human beings are bizarre, right? We're, we are, even those of us who think we are mostly rational and logical, we're still emotional, <laughs> you know, yeah, we're, yeah, totally. we're still emotionally driven. We still, we still do things and have habits where it's like, well, why do I do that? You know, like, yeah. like well, why, why am I doing that? You know, with some people it's really, it's really obvious and, mm-hmm. it can, and it can be quite destructive with others. It might just be, you know, minor, minor things, but you know, everyone's got their cognitive dissonance and their biases and their hypocrisies and yes. things that they say or believe, but don't really make sense. Or maybe they know one thing, but they, everyone, everyone knows that, Apples are more health, healthy than Doritos. Yeah. Everybody knows that it's better to get salad than fries. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody knows. Everybody yeah. knows it's better to exercise than to not exercise. Totally. So if people were rational, everybody would do those things. But we see, oh, no, most people don't. Why? I, because it, it's, it's hard. Yeah. People don't like the, the friction. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, emotion. It doesn't feel good momentarily. Right? People tend to have quite short-term the majority of people have quite a short term view. Um, so if something feels good in the here and now, even if it might lead to repercussions in 30 years, it's like, nah, I'll smoke that cigarette. Yeah. Like totally. 30 years, that's a long time. Yeah. Like if, if you could somehow, if, if, if cigarettes impacted you in like six months, people wouldn't smoke. I bet you'd still get some people smoking. No, it, it, <laughs> it, would be, it would be a lot less. The, yeah. the thing is, it's because it's so delayed. Yes. So yeah. if you tell a 20-year-old, oh, you know what you're doing right now? If you keep doing that when you're 70, they're like, 70? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that, that's totally. so far. But if you're like, oh, you know what? Next year. Yeah. If you keep doing that next year, you're going to get cancer. I think that people's behavior would change massively. It's, it's just the, it, it's the, it's the, what do they call it? time preference mm-hmm. it's time preference you have people with a long-term time preference those are the people who are better at saving money and investing and taking their health and nutrition all that kind of stuff seriously those tend to be people who have a long-term time preference so they're willing to sacrifice for now to gain something in the longer term yep but then a lot of people and some of this might just be uh, genetic or biological wiring a lot of people have a short time preference so They'll just, you know, live paycheck to paycheck, won't, won't save any money because they are thinking, well, you know, who knows, like something might. And, and, this, and this actually, it's interesting. I looked into this a little. This, this varies from society to society. So if you've got places where 
for example, the economy is unstable or war or whatever, people's time preferences get shorter because it's yes. like, well, we yeah. don't need, we don't know what's going to happen in 30 years. So mm-hmm. let's just, you know, spend this money or, yeah, totally. do, or, do, or do this thing or whatever. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you change that because some stuff is just inherent to humanity. And I think you can have certain values or guidelines and communities and things like that, which try to do their best to make things as good as they can be and to, you know, suggest to people or promote people to behave in ways that are positive for them and society long term. But ultimately, you know, humans are humans are going to human. Totally. So <laughs> I, mean, I, I look at it like it's this relationship between your physical, mental and emotional parts of your brain that are all trying to fight for whatever. Like mm. if you're if you're choosing between the Apple or the Doritos, you might not be mentally addicted to the uh, to the Doritos or emotionally addicted to Doritos, but you're physically addicted to it. And so mm. you have to mentally you might think like apple for sure and yeah. your body's like not Doritos. Yeah, like yeah. what you actually do <laughs> in the real world you grab the dorito bag mm. and you gotta somehow create this relationship use like your emotional bridge to like convince yourself in a deep powerful way that no i do not want those doritos because they're yeah. gonna make me fat make you feel bad make you feel embarrassed or whatever mm-hmm. and draw that connection for you to be able to actually think feel and do grab the apple yeah and it varies from time to time, and it probably should, right? Totally. The person who always picks the apple, they might not have a lot of fun. Totally. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's like I'm sure you've encountered people, or you know, maybe I don't, you know, maybe you've even been that person. I have been where the diet becomes such a priority that you then sacrifice other things in the name of it. Right? You might you're you know, there's that person who's at a, at a birthday party mm-hmm. and they won't even have a slice of cake on their own birthday yes. or it's Christmas dinner and they're eating chicken and broccoli and they're like, man, like, you know, you, you don't have to be that, you, yep, know, you don't yep. need to be a hundred percent, right? 90, 10 might work. Yep. 80, 20 might work. So, you know, 80% of the time you have the apple, that 20% of the time, I can have a bag of Doritos. That's not going to, yep, that's totally. not going to kill me or whatever. So, you know, you can still, you can still enjoy things. You don't have to sacrifice massively unnecessarily in in these little things so it's uh yeah it's it's a it's a balance it's like everything in moderation including moderation yeah (laughs) yeah it's a it's a balance and uh it's hard to know what the you know i I think it varies from person to person what the right level of things are And, and then people people have different proclivities and vices too so there might be some people who it's like you know, they can't just have one drink, right? If they have to have a drink, then they're going to end up, you know, just having 10. Yes. So for someone like that, it's like, you know what? Maybe it's better if you just don't drink at all. Just don't drink at all. Whereas other people, it's like, okay, cool. You, you're able to practice moderation. You, yeah. get, you get foods like that, right? There's some foods. It's like, uh, for me, it would be like uh, sweet popcorn mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, sweet popcorn and ice cream are probably the two foods that I know. I can't just have like one. Yeah. You can't just have like, a scoop of ice cream. Yeah. If I have a scoop of ice cream, like, if, if I'm having ice cream, I'm like, look, I'm having four scoops. Yeah. Okay. Cause I, I know myself so well that I'd rather have none than one. Totally. <laughs> you totally. see yeah. what I mean? Yep. And that's okay. Cause that's just ice cream. But for some people that might be some drug or, yeah. like, so, or you know, booze or, or, or whatever it is. So uh, some of it is kind of, kind of self-knowledge of knowing what your own 
sort of boundaries and limits and triggers and whatnot are so that you don't, you know, kind of go too far. But I think that's a very individualistic yeah. thing. So well, you can't the same thing as the it. balance. If you're going to be all or nothing, you know, you got to probably ride that balance usually on the nothing side because the mm-hmm. all is going to totally take you down. Exactly. Um, so, um, you know, it's been a wild year for you overall. Right. You've been, st- did you just have some crazy, uh, new year's resolutions that you're writing down that night? You're like, I'm going to break the female deadlifting <laughs> record. I'm going to cross 200 K on, uh, on Dude, Instagram and Twitter. It, it, it turned out that, um, I'd broken the female deadlift record several, several years ago, but it was only in 2019 that I realized I could identify as a female and, uh, be <laughs> it's only until 2019 and be recognized, uh, be recognized for it. This is why I, I often joke that, um, I've shown that female privilege is the real thing this year because as soon as I identified as a woman, like suddenly I became more popular and everyone <laughs> wanted to talk to me. <laughs> so, the pendulum every, has gone full circle, everybody. Exactly. Everyone, everyone who thinks that men have all the advantage, man, just try identify as a woman for a day and you'll see that you get far more attention. Um, man, when I was writing my New Year's resolutions, I was looking, I actually put the... So this was real resolutions. Wow. No, okay. no, this wasn't a resolution. One of my resolutions was to reach 30,000 followers on Twitter. Beautiful. So, yeah, so hit, hit, all of my social media goals, except YouTube, have been completely, completely obliterated this year. Um, Phenomenal. Yeah, but the, that viral tweet, that was just, that was on a whim. I mean, uh, the, the video was already on my phone. A lot of people think that I, I specifically made that video for that tweet. That video already existed. It was already there. I just, uh, I just posted it because I'd, I'd seen something where, um, there have been multiple, multiple situations of this happening with, uh, you know, transgender athletes or males identifying as women or whatever. And I was like, okay, this, this thing is silly. And so I just wrote that caption and posted the video because I was like, oh, look, I can, you know, smash the women. Well, if you don't promote your record breaking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How will anybody know? So, yeah, well, you know, when I posted it, I did not expect it to go anywhere near as far as it went. I mean, that thing went so far. I think that tweet did about 8 million impressions. And yeah, I got 1.7 something million views, tens of thousands of retweets. Um, and it, it penetrated so many different circles. Like mm-hmm. there's people I've been meeting in LA and they're like, I know you, you're the guy here. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like this is <laughs> insane. <laughs> it's like in the UK and the U S like all the, all these different countries. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's funny, but, uh, you know, God works in mysterious ways and, uh, sometimes opportunities and doors, open, not necessarily where you expected them to be. You could be knocking at that door for ages. And then the one down there, you know, opens yeah. up and they're like, Oh yeah, <laughs> all <laughs> that, know? all that knocking on your music career and then, uh, and then you know, <laughs> weightlifting, you get a huge, yeah, knock. it's been funny, but, um, but you know, it's brought a lot of people, it's brought a lot of people into the fold. Mm-hmm. I, I, what I've been saying is I, I don't really care if people come through the front door or the back <laughs> door or the side door or whatever, like as long as they, as long as they enter, and they yeah. And they, and they get the message, you know, you could have seen the viral tweet. You could have seen the, listen to a podcast, mm-hmm. seen, seen an appearance on an interview, whatever. If that brings people into the fold, then I've just accepted, like I'm cool with it. Um, initially I used to be more, precious with it like i want people to come through this door i'm trying to direct i'm trying to herd people in through this door discover me through my music yeah but 
I kind of just decided, you know what? It doesn't matter. Like this is this is the the Zuby building, and as long as people. <laughs> you can come in through that way. Yeah. You can come in through there. You can come in through there. You can stumble in here. Yeah, anywhere. yeah. As long as long as you're in here and you like what I do or you value what I do in some way, shape, or form, I'm glad to have you here. You know, some some of my audience. I've got fo- I've got plenty of followers who don't listen to my music, mm-hmm. and they just want to listen to the podcasts or the interviews or just want to follow the tweets or whatever. That's fine. I've got people who are hundred percent just the music coming to the shows, buying the merchandise or whatever. They're not interested slash oblivious to any of the p- political stuff or the social commentary or the podcast, anything like that. That's also totally fine. You've got some people that's a little bit of a mix. You've got people who just like everything I do. Uh, some people are like, oh, I'm interested in the fitness stuff. I like, I like the book. And I'm like, no, these, this is, it's all me. It's all me. None of this is stuff that I'm doing because, you know, that I don't want to be doing. So whatever it is that people find interesting, valuable, entertaining, educational, whatever it is, if I can offer it, then, you know, take, take, take what you want. It's like a buffet. Pick what you want. Don't feel like you have to take from every single plate, but, um, you know, pick and choose as you like. And it's, it's all good with me. It's phenomenal. I, I actually started following you when you were writing your book. Okay. I saw, you know, people are retweeting your stuff and so I'm getting a good, you know, I'm seeing these things periodically. And then it was one day it was like, Hey, I'm going to start writing a book. And then like, by the end of today, it's like, Hey, I finished my book. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? You know? Cause I think there's a lot of people out there who have tried to do something like that and they don't have the, I, you know, the attention span or yeah. like they can't fight that much resistance in one sitting. I, I got to learn more. Like, tell me, how did you, what was that day? Like, how did you, you know, work through that process. To, yeah, sure. To um, that out. So uh, shout out to my friend, uh, Jose Rosado. Cause he, uh, he's the one who really pushed me to write that book. What do you have? Like a whip? Like, just, um, how did you get that thing done? So yeah, fast? yeah. It's like a, yeah, well, a DM whip maybe like yeah, just well, yeah. do me, do it. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I just blocked out a weekend and, um, I just sat down. I mean, with the book, the thing it was, it was already in my head. Yeah. It was already in my head. Um, I basically wanted to write the book that I wish someone had given me when I first started training. Some of the books someone could have given me when I was 15 or 16 and be like, look, this is what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Like, don't get bogged down in all this nonsense or that nonsense. This is what matters. This is what doesn't matter. It's how to eat, program your training, all that kind of stuff. Whether you're trying to gain weight, lose weight, maintain, whatever you want to do. This is your, you know, basic guide. So it's, um, I wanted to keep it, you know, concise, under a hundred pages. And so I just, I just sat down and, um, I really, I really just sat and from the morning, I just woke up in the morning, sat down at my computer and just started writing. I didn't worry about editing in terms of the process. I just wrote, mm-hmm. just wrote, 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 wrote. Um, in fact, I, I started with the table of contents. So I started with, a. An okay. outline. Sort yeah, of. An, an outline. And then I just sort of had 12 things there. And then it was like, okay, cool. Mindset and mindset and motivation. Okay, let's just write. Write, 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 write. And then, okay, uh, nutrition fundamentals. Da-da-da. Um, carbohydrates, protein, fats. Da-da-da. You know, calculating calories. Da-da. All, all that stuff. And I just, I just sat and I just, I just wrote. And I wrote and I wrote and I wrote. And every hour or so, take a 10, 20-minute break. Come back do it again, come back just, and yeah, I, I managed to get 
probably about 90% of the book written in a weekend. And then uh, editing took considerably longer because I wanted to trim it down and reduce the repetition and sure. add a little extra detail and stuff like that. But the thing with me is I'm, uh, I'm very binary in what I do and what I don't do. Uh, that I don't do stuff by half measures. If I say I'm going to do something, like believe I'm going to do it. Like, I, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. You're not going to talk about writing a book for six no, months. No, I, no, I don't go halfway either. It's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm starting a podcast or I'm not, or yes, I'm writing totally. a book or I'm not. I'm, and that's just how I roll. So I don't do, I don't do everything, but if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it properly and I'm going to do it quickly and I'm going to do it seriously. And that's just how I operate. I don't really believe in doing things by half measures like trying trying is a waste of time totally trying totally. Try, trying is a waste of time like just do it or don't do it yeah yeah just 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 do it you know if it's like mm, mm, nah, mm, nah, it's like no nah, just well that, that's what i found so impressive that's what earned my follow was like, <laughs> like, this guy's crushing the resistance because i just imagine i mean especially you know la if you overhear some people in la mm. oh i'm working on this i'm working on this screenplay i'm working yeah. on this project they never get anything done yeah uh because it's endlessly trying to just handle that uphill resistance whatever their creative uh you know genius is trying to tell them to create they just run into a wall every single day or every mm. time they go at it um, and to be able to just crush resistance like that, it's really a, a remarkable thing. It's like bringing an idea, you said it was all in your head, and mm. now it's in a physical form, it's in the physical world. And that's really the difference. It's like the invisible wall to getting something from just a conceived idea mm -hmm. into the physical world, uh, where now you can distribute and actually share with people. Yeah, man. Doing that in such a short period of time, it's like, just shows how visible that resistance really is. It's not really, it's not something that takes a lot of time. It's not something that you have to, crush physical you know blocks to get through it's just right there in front of you and it's right there in front of anybody out there who has a similar ambition thank you um yeah i think also a factor like we said is um funnily enough i haven't thought about this until you just said it um or hinted at it but i think another factor is that i've done it before with my music mm -hmm. i've taken many times i've taken something from a concept in my brain and turned it into a real thing and that's what i do every time i make a song Every time I make an album, I've done that process many, many times. So that probably in some way, shape or form sort of helped as well because it was, you know, repeating something in a, in a different way. I'd never yeah. written a book before. It's a similar process. Similar I've written process. an album. I've written eight albums. So I know I can take something from just being a concept in my brain to being a real world product that people can hold. I've done it with my, I do it every time I make a piece of merchandise. It's like, mm -hmm. oh. I want to make a t-shirt with the Team Zuby logo and it glows in the dark. I'm now wearing it, <laughs> right? Um, I want to make a hat that looks sort of like that. Yeah, same logo yeah. and this color. And it's like, okay, I can visualize it. And then, yeah, let me just make it real. So, and the, th the thing is as well is, um, this, I think this is a par part of why it's important for people to kind of develop this ability and also this mindset is because we're really creatures of habit. So whether you create a habit of just going in and getting stuff done or you create a habit of procrastination, it becomes easier to repeat that habit in the future. So you, if you get caught up in the cycle of procrastination, of just being someone who procrastinates a lot, procrastination becomes a habit. 
that becomes the default. That becomes what you, your body is comfortable doing. Yep. I've managed to make my default doing it. Action. Yeah. yeah. Action. Action is my, is my default thing. I'm comfortable with that. That's my, that's my habit is action. And it's a right? learned habit. Yeah. Right? Like I think that's important to make that distinction because a lot of people, I think you must've had to start from someplace. Of course. Started a long time ago doing mm-hmm. this, but creating that habit of action because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's really the difference between and people dude, that and do it's, and don't. It's, it's been honed for years. Like I said, the amount, this is something I probably downplay, but if I really think about it, the amount that I learned from hustling my CDs on the street is probably a big factor in some of the success I've had to date in, in a lot of ways, shapes and forms. Cause every single day you go out there. Um, I mean, you said you, you've done uh, door to door sales. I imagine it's oh, yeah. quite similar. So I'm outside. So I'll, I'll put 20 CDs in my backpack, go to a high street, sometimes in a city I've never even been to. And my goal is in the next five hours, I want to sell these 20 CDs. And I'm just standing there. I'm hustle bustle strangers, total mm-hmm. strangers. I just need 20 of these people to buy my CD. And you can't procrastinate. How much would you sell them for? Uh, five to 10 pounds. Got it. Okay. So you, you, can't, you can't procrastinate. And it's like, well, oh, there's someone coming there and they look, I know what, I know who my sort of buying demographic is. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying, you know, it's like, oh, there's two guys there who look potentially like they might be friends. You've got a couple, you've got like a couple seconds to choose whether to act or not to act. Mm-hmm. And it's like tens, hundreds of thousands, millions of times you're making that decision. Do I act or do I not? If I act, you know, take that step forward. Oh, hey, what's up, guys? What kind of music do you guys listen to? Or what's up, guys? You know, whatever, whatever totally. intro line is or whatever. And then you've taken that action. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of proceed from there. And it's, you're doing that. That's how I built that habit because it was day in and day out. And every, every time you're there for a new day, even if you've done it before, you've sold thousands of CDs, every new day, every new person, it's like the same thing again. And you still deal with that same doubt and that anxiety and occasional fear of like, hmm, should I approach that person? Should I not? Should I, you know, like what do I, and yeah. And, and, and you have different days where it's different. Like some days it would be really hard. Oh yeah. Some days it would be really hard. Some days I'm like, man, I just don't want to, I don't want to talk to people. I'm just not feeling super confident yeah, or I'm totally. just not whatever. And then I'd have other days where I'm just on fire. I'm just like bouncing around. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, just, I'm bouncing around. I'm talking to everybody. Everybody's, you know, vibing and whatnot. And so but yeah, I think that's really part of that. Um, it's part of that habit. It's the same thing with the gym. I mean, the gym's just, it's just a habit. It's like people are like, oh, how do you stay motivated to go to the gym? I'm like, I don't. It's like, how do you stay motivated to brush your teeth? It's the same yeah. thing. It's literally the same thing. I've done it for more, I've done it for more than 50% of my life now. Mm-hmm. So if I don't, it's weird. It feels weird. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't feel right. I'm like, no, I, I'm missing something in my day here. Um, well, that's the so, thing is like the something in your day. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, I, I always figured that going to the gym, like the hardest part is just like having that time every single day. Yeah. Like forget lifting the weights. If you could just go to the building and like mm-hmm. touch the door, you've, you've already done the whole You're thing, there. you yeah. know? Uh, Cause you've made that time every single day to do that thing. Mm-hmm. It becomes cemented. Yeah. And the habit takes over. It's like, okay, I know what I'm doing now. It's just like we know when you're driving a car, you don't, once you've been driving for a while, you're not thinking super consciously. I press the clutch, change the yeah. gear. Like I do this, turn the turn the signal. Mm-hmm. It just becomes 
you just do it to the point where you can have a conversation whilst listening to music yep. while while you're doing it all. Whereas at the beginning, it's like okay, it takes total. It's a lot of to, yeah, to lots of bed with yeah. absolute focus and whatever. So I think it's like that with with everyone. So I mean, when I'm looking at some of these, uh, I'm looking at some of these books on the walls here and seeing some of these super super high achieving people and whatnot. And I think that it's it's a similar thing, right? They've just got their habits on a another whole another level, right? I've got mine to to one level, mm-hmm. but there's a, there's another level above that. There's another level above that to the stage where it's just like, you know, you're, you're looking at Elon Musk there, right? And he's just got things systematized to such a level and a mindset in such a way that's just like, you know, in in a certain in one day he can do what maybe what another person does in a week yeah, because, totally. you know, cause it's just so, it's so efficient and there's such little friction and resistance yeah. and, and whatnot. And it's like, oh, I've done this before. So we'll just, we'll that, just do it again. That mindset is always the easiest thing for me. Like when I was doing sales is like, I've done this before. I know I can do it again. Yeah. And so it's sort of breaking through that barrier the first time being like, you know, I know I've spent the whole day going out talking to strangers, knocking on their door, ringing mm-hmm. their doorbell. And then those days where you feel like shit and you're like, I cannot possibly do this today. Yeah. It's like, I know I've done it before. At least if I can just go do this again right now, then, you know, they pick up the momentum. And I look at someone like Elon, it's crazy because he's on such a wide scale of dealing with those, uh, you know, like I've done it before sort mm-hmm. of things. Like imagine every single day, I always think of this from Elon's perspective, you wake up and there's like a dozen negative media hit pieces about you every day. Yeah. And I'm sure the first time that happened, maybe it like hit him pretty hard. Mm-hmm. But now it's every single day in that quantity that it's, it's completely unfazing. Exactly. You know, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And there's also the thing of, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. That was the thing, you know, it, when I'm, uh, when you're doing sales, the worst that can happen is someone is rude to you. Mm-hmm. Someone slams the door in your face. Somebody ignores you. And once you've had that happen a couple of times, you're like, well, that wasn't that bad. Well, eventually, I mean, wasn't. just physiologically, your like emotional response, mm-hmm. just like the valve gets turned down. You're like, yeah. I don't even have the the mental energy or like the whatever neurochemical or whatever to even expend on that person's mm-hmm. no, I've already, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, at the end of every day, I'd remember how many CDs I sold. Mm-hmm. I'd never remember how many people said no. Absolutely. I'd be like, cool. I sold 32 CDs today. It's cool. Because I wouldn't be like, Oh no, 278 people ignored me yeah. or said no. I'd be like, no, I sold 32 CDs and that's all the, that's all that matters. I can tell people, yeah, I sold 25,000 albums on the street. I'm not going to say, oh, I, I tried, I, I spoke to uh, 350,000 people and that many of them said no or were mean to me. Totally. Like, I don't, they're deleted from my memory. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it's also, you know, I also figure it's kind of like self filter because it's like, well, I'll sell the CDs to the right people mm-hmm. because if someone doesn't want to even give me the time of day, then it's not the right person. If someone's not into, my genre of music, then it's not the right person. That person who is willing to be open-minded enough to stop and then likes the music enough to want to buy it. Like that's, that's the fan. I found them. You know, it's like, I'm looking, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for the fans. Like I'm there. There's thousands of people. You're not, you're not all going to be Zuby yeah, fans. Totally. I'm, I'm trying to find the Zuby fans. Oh, cool. I found one here. Yeah. Okay. I'll try these. Th- oh no, those three aren't Zuby fans. Oh no, he, no, that's not a Zuby fan. Oh, she's a Zuby fan. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Got the CD. Boom. And that's how I look at it. It's, it's the same with what I'm doing online now. Mm-hmm. So not everybody's going to like what I do. Not everyone's going to like my, my beliefs, my opinions, the way I express myself, the way I articulate myself. That's okay. Some of them will. Totally. You know, in fact, you know, some of them will. I only need 
I don't even need 1%. I need a fraction of a percent. Mm -hmm. And that's enough. You know, you're doing this business where you're selling sol solar panels. Not, not every, most people don't need solar panels. That doesn't matter. You don't need You don't need everybody in LA, everybody in yeah. the USA. It's like, you just need, you're trying to find the people who want them and need them. And cool. You service those people. You're not spending your whole time worried about, Oh, but like, what about all the other people who mm -hmm. don't want this? Like, doesn't matter. Like, just yeah. you know your audience, you know your market, you know your messaging, whatever. Just do your thing, and it it'll work. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. And the coolest thing about that to me, like especially like you selling these CDs on the street, is that while you're selling them for five to ten pounds, mm -hmm. I'm sure the value of you facing that battle every single day it's probably ten x. Like yeah. you're probably going to earn in return you know, 50 to a hundred pounds for every, in the long every term. one of those CDs that you sold for the skill that you built that in the day. long term. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so grateful I did that, man, because you know, one, it's not something that no one can take away from me. And two, it's just, you can't fake experience. Absolutely. You really can't fake experience, right? Either you've been through something or you've done something or, or you haven't, there's no shortcut to it. Mm -hmm. Right. If someone's like, man, how can I develop that same level of uh, resilience or, whatever. And I'm like, well, this is how I did it. I can't tell you an easier, or <laughs> like you got to yeah. go, you got to, you like, as it was coming, circling back around, it's that carrying the load. It's like, yeah, you've got to go through some, you've just got to go through you find your own resistance. Yeah. You've just got to go through the resistance and you will, you will come out tougher. Right. If there was an easier way to do it, I'd love to find an easier way to doing it than that. But <laughs> E easy won't get you there. It's like yeah. the lottery. Yeah, e I don't easy know. Easy is losing. No, I, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like with with anything. You know, how do you get good at public speaking? Got to stand on a lot of stages and yeah. speak to a lot of people. How do you get good at performing? Got to stand on a lot of stages and perform to a lot of people. It doesn't matter if it's stand up comedy or if it's playing guitar or if it's rapping. You just got to do it. Your your first show is not going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not going to be good. Your second one's also not going to be yeah. like. It'll take a while for you to just get comfortable, so your heart's not just pounding and you're mm -hmm. you're you're visibly, you know, flustered or whatever. Like that just comes with time and with experience. And you you can't, you know, you're not going to go on stage the first time doing stand up comedy and be a Dave Chappelle or a Bill Burr or a Chris Rock or whatever. Like Absolutely. you know, it's I never saw any of their first gigs, but I imagine they sucked. So you know, just yeah, they must have bombed. Yeah, they they must have bombed, and you know, it's just that hundreds. Rep, repetitions, reps, 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 man, hundreds, thousands of reps. And then, oh, lo and behold, it's now in my comfort zone. So then you can just keep doing it. Absolutely, man. Love it. Well, I just noticed here we've gone well over our time. That's but, all good, man. Uh, first off, really want to, you know, thank you for coming on today. It's been phenomenal. Great conversation. I want to ask you, is there any, you know, last words of advice, wisdom, anything for the audience out there listening you'd like to leave them with? Wow. Um, I would just say that, you know, whoever's listening out here, you, you, you have potential. You have potential mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. You've got a lot of potential that you are not tapping into yet and that you haven't maximized yet. I'm speaking for myself as well while, when I'm saying this. And if you want a good mission and meaning and purpose in life, that'll help both yourself and those around you and strangers in the world in general, the best 
advice I can give you is to try to maximize that potential, you know, to, to keep working on it, just keep getting a little bit better in some way, shape or form every day. And if you make that your mission, then in six months, one year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, you will be a serious force to be reckoned with in the world. And um, I think everybody should do that. That is some strong advice <laughs> and some real talk with Zuby if I've ever heard. <laughs> Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed that episode, please hit the subscribe button and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at KWC pod on Instagram at knowledge without college podcast. You can find me Patrick Butler at Patrick Butler zero zero on Instagram and Twitter. I encourage you to send over any feedback you have. If there's any guests you'd like to hear on the show, any topics you'd want to hear discussed. I want to know about it. I want to hear your feedback and opinions. So please, Help me make this a better experience for you. And I look forward to hearing from you. Have an excellent day and thanks for listening.